0: I have incredible economic data to start today with, and I tell you these jobs numbers not because they are the proof that everything Joe Biden has done has been correct. These numbers are not proof that Biden has fixed the systemic and structural issues with our economy, which include inequality and so many other things which we talk about all the time. I give you these numbers so that you understand that by the same metrics that Republicans use to judge their presidents, the economy is doing fine. Now fine doesn't mean there will never be a recession. Fine doesn't mean some people are unemployed. Fine means there is no great alarm sounding of an imminent Biden induced recession. Let's first talk about the data, four hundred ninety seven thousand jobs added in June. You might say, well, I don't know, 300 40, 335 million people in the United States is four hundred and ninety seven thousand new jobs in June. Remarkable. It's remarkable in the sense that the estimate was that there would only be two hundred and twenty thousand jobs added in June. And the real number four hundred and ninety seven thousand is more than double that, more than double that. Uh, This is also significantly more than the two hundred sixty seven thousand jobs that were added in May. The leading um, uh, industries were leisure and hospitality. Some say leisure. I know people who say leisure and hospitality. Either way, these are jobs paid in U.S. dollars, no matter what pronunciation you use. Two hundred and thirty two thousand of that four ninety seven was leisure and hospitality, nearly one hundred thousand jobs in construction trade, transportation and utilities at 90,000. Also interesting when it comes to construction. This is an industry that when you talk to to random people who were supporters of MAGA in uh, Trump's first term, they would say construction is booming under Trump. And uh, we really think construction is an important leading economic indicator. When you see more construction jobs, you know that in the future, if it's commercial offices that are being built, those will eventually be filled with tenants. So that's a leading indicator for a good economy. When you're talking about houses, single family homes and condos. When you see construction jobs, it means single family houses and condos are being built and thus eventually when those are those are built, they will sell and you will have people buying them that these are leading indicators. They said under Trump, we are seeing construction uh, jobs growing significantly. So what is the takeaway here? The takeaway is not one about we now have a perfect economy, we've solved every problem we've ever had when it comes to wages and employment and all of these different things. The point here is that the right wing media and politicians are trying to spread a false narrative. That narrative is that the Biden economy is terrible and it's because of Joe Biden and it is Joe Biden's policies that have hurt the American people. And it's increasingly difficult to do this. We played a clip for you a few shows ago of Larry Kudlow, a former Trump economic advisor, appearing on Fox News and being asked by the Fox host, listen, the setup was something like go check it out for the exact wording. But it was something like we see all of these economic indicators. They look so good. But explain, like, why is the economy actually not so good? And Larry Kudlow was unable to do so. He said something about AI and technology. It was pathetic. He failed to make that case. And so what Republicans and the right have been relegated to is cherry picking data, ignoring context, distorting facts, ignoring history to try to undermine what is a very solid economy that happens to be taking place when Joe Biden is president and is doing some good things. It's really important to remember, you know, if you want shows that play politics with this economic data, you can go and find them. I don't know which they are. I certainly don't watch them, but you can go and find those shows when we talk about economic data uh, and we talk about economies in general. I try to be crystal clear with you that most of what we see is not directly related to what the president does, for example. Inflation is coming down in just about every Western wealthy industrialized nation, whatever term you want to use, what we call the OECD countries. Inflation has been coming down in all of those uh, countries. So it's not because of Biden that inflation is coming down. But inflation has been coming down slightly faster in the United States than in some of those other countries. And we can certainly point to some Biden policies like the Inflation Reduction Act, which are influencing that inflation would be coming down anyway. But we can argue that the Biden uh, policy, Bidenomics, is helping that along. Similarly, job creation. We are seeing job creation in many Western OECD countries. But we can say that what Joe Biden has done is making that job creation a little more robust than if we had, for example, Trump policy in place. It's also really important to remember when we look at the economy that economies don't perfectly overlap in terms of their movements with presidential terms. It is true that if you look back at the last hundred years or 120 years, it is true that we tend to see higher job creation when there's a Democrat in the White House. We tend to see better stock market performance when a Democrat is in the White House. We see lower unemployment when a Democrat is in the White House. We see lower inflation when a Democrat is in the White House. We see higher GDP when a Democrat is in the White House. These are averages, but it is not Perfect. It is not perfectly aligned. And so we had Joe Biden coming in during the COVID-19 recovery. Uh, we had um, the American Rescue Plan put in place, all of these different things. And the, the timing of these economic movements will not perfectly align. For example, we started to see gas prices go up at the end of Trump's term. They continued going up during Joe Biden. Then they started coming down is one or the other specifically to blame for those movements. No. And so those are the types of political games I try to avoid uh, playing with you. The other thing is it's important to look uh, more broadly at some of the other macroeconomic things that are going on. Uh, And again, these are going on globally. The gloomy picture that the right is trying to paint of the American economy not only has to be done by removing all context from the United States economy. But it also has to be done by ignoring broadly what is happening again in the Western wealthy industrialized OECD countries. They are all doing relatively well, and that makes it even harder to believe data aside, right? If you ignore the data that says things are looking okay, it's harder to believe that things are uniquely bad in the US when we see a generally positive trend in most of these Western economies. So we're going to continue following these numbers. The bottom line is this is not a terrible economy. It's a pretty good economy. It's interesting that Joe Biden has been able to actually get done as much as he has uh, uh, given the level of opposition that Republicans have put forward. And I would actually go further. The economy would likely be even better were it not for the obstruction of Republicans, many of whom voted against the things that Joe Biden tried to do and has been able to do, but now want credit for them, as we talked about last week. Let's talk about political fundraising. We've been looking at polling, but we have not been looking at fundraising. The second quarter just ended. The second quarter is April, May and June, and we have some very interesting new fundraising data. I do not yet have Joe Biden's fundraising data for the second quarter. When I have it, I will tell you what it is. But Donald Trump's fundraising has exploded significantly in Q2, assuming, of course, that the Trump campaign is being honest in their reporting. Trump pulled in per Politico more than thirty five million dollars in the second quarter. That is nearly double what Trump raised in Q1 and suggests, Politico writes, that the indictments are helping with fundraising. And the article goes into detail in Q1. Trump raised just under nineteen million dollars in Q2. Trump raised more than thirty five million dollars. Important to note, the Joint Fundraising Committee is split between Trump's official campaign and his leadership PAC Save America, at least in theory. The Save America PAC is meant to raise money for people that Trump endorses or supports. Um, the official did not break down how much of that 35 million went to Trump versus the PAC, but the most recent fundraising solicitations direct 90 percent of each donation to uh, Trump's campaign. And 10 percent to the Save America PAC. The PAC, by the way, also lately is focusing spending on non-campaign activity like paying for Trump's legal bills. So there are a few different things to talk about here. First and foremost, the average donation was $34 dollars and20 cents. We have people who can only afford to give about 30 bucks paying for a billionaire's legal fees, a billionaire who has a private jet. They are sending money to a guy with a private plane for his legal fees because of all of the crimes he allegedly committed and all they can really do is 30 bucks because statistically they can't meet an unexpected $400 expense that they might be presented with. That's insane. That is insane. And grift after grift, you know. I hate to do this sort of like uh, caveat emptor, a fool and their money are soon parted. We can't have a nanny state protecting these people like I, I don't want to go in that direction. But after the grift of 2016, where Trump raised money, 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 despite saying I don't really need any money, I'm rich enough to run on my own with all of these promises that he didn't meet. And then he ran again in 2020, saying I'm making the same promises all over again, even though I didn't meet them in the first campaign. This time I will. And people donate and then Trump loses. And then Trump says, hey, now I need your money in order to overturn elections and do forensic audits where we're going to look ballot by ballot for bamboo fibers or barbecue sauce or or whatever the case they were looking for, and also for filing lawsuits. And then half of that, 70 percent of that went to paying Trump's campaign bills, grift after grift after grift. And now he's doing it again and they're still donating money for legal fees. Um, At this point, I don't think there's anyone who can protect these people. And probably we shouldn't even continue trying. I want to hear from you on that question. Should these folks who continue to donate money to the obvious grift, should we even care at this point? Or at some point, is it a matter of personal responsibility, like Republicans love to say, and they need to be parted with their money if they are going to fall for it again? Let me know what you think. We are going to keep an eye on the Biden fundraising numbers also as far as fundraising. This is a very interesting report from Axios from yesterday called Democrats amass early war chest for brutal twenty twenty four Senate map. Uh, the twenty twenty four Senate map is not a great map for Democrats. Remember that with one hundred senators in the Senate uh, every two years, a third of them are up for reelection. The terms are six years long, but these are sort of overlapping classes in the Senate. The third of the Senate that happens to be up for re-election in 2024 is not particularly good for Democrats. What is very interesting is that a number of uh, a number of prominent Democrats are doing really well in terms of fundraising. Senator Bob Casey in Pennsylvania has raised more than four million dollars. That's his best fundraising quarter ever. Senator Tammy Baldwin from Wisconsin, first openly LGBT woman in the Senate, raised over three million dollars. That is also a record high. Adam Schiff broke the record for uh, second quarter Senate fundraising. Remember, he's a member of Congress, but he's running for Diane Feinstein's seat, which he will be vacating. These are stunning, stunning, stunning numbers. But there are many Republicans who are doing well as well. In Nevada, retired U.S. Army Captain Sam Brown uh, is likely to launch a Senate uh, campaign uh, against the Democrat there. And that potentially is going to uh, do well in terms of uh, fundraising. There are Republicans who have the potential with major Republican Senate campaign support to also do well. But the encouraging sign here is it it right now, if we want a proxy to enthusiasm for 2024, we would look at fundraising. I don't have the Biden Q2 numbers, but I do have some Senate Q2 numbers and they look very good particularly considering that it's July of the year before the election. Hope is not lost and the Senate could end up being okay in 2024. That's where we'll leave it. We'll take a quick break after this. I am going to talk about threads, the new Twitter competitor. We're going to talk about so many different things. Glad you're with us today. One of our sponsors is Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Don't you think it's time you stopped putting smoke? and vape oils in your lungs. Zipix toothpicks are a convenient way to curb the nicotine cravings. Zipix toothpicks are super discreet. You can use them anytime, anywhere. Smoking and vaping aren't allowed, including flights, sporting events in restaurants. They're available in six different flavors with options of two and three milligrams of nicotine. If you're not a nicotine user, Zipix also offers caffeine and B12 infused toothpicks. Zipix has already helped tens of thousands of customers ditch the cigarettes, ditch the vapes. They might be able to help you too if you're a smoker or a vapor. Give Zipix toothpicks a try. Your lungs will thank you. Go to ZipixToothpicks.com today. Save 10% with the code Pacman 10 at checkout. Just remember, you must be 21 or older to order. That's Z I P P I X Use promo code Pacman 10 at checkout for 10 percent off. That's Pacman one zero. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp uh, viewers of the show. Listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small when we keep them bottled up. It can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest. Figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy, and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash pacman show the link is in the podcast notes we've talked on the show about how internet service providers have been logging everything their customers do online and selling that data tech companies use trackers in websites and apps to collect your data you can shield yourself from all of it by using a vpn every time you connect to the internet the vpn i use is private internet access it's the only vpn that has proven multiple times in court they do not log your activity. Our sponsor, Private Internet Access, hides my IP address, prevents big tech from being able to paint a picture of who I am and what I do online. And it works for all of your favorite streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu to access shows and movies normally only available in other countries. It's one of the only VPNs that works for peer to peer file sharing and the best part is you can protect unlimited devices with just one account. Going online without private Internet access is like leaving your phone unattended in a crowded room. Anyone can just take a glance. My audience gets 83 percent off. That's just 203 a month. Go to PIA slash David. The link is in the podcast notes. I want to welcome all of our new podcast listeners. The reason I mentioned that specifically is that we just got the June numbers and they are super strong. Even Trump's pollster McLaughlin would have to admit that these are very, very good numbers. Eight hundred and twenty five thousand podcast downloads in June. Uh, That's the best month we've ever had in the history of the show. And we're pushing towards a million a month as far as podcast downloads. And I want to welcome everybody who has found us through the audio podcast. I also want to remind you, we are primarily a funded by the audience program. You can get a membership at joinpacman.com I won't bore you with the details. You can read about them uh, on our website, but we do depend on you uh, to do what we do. And uh, you can sign up at joinpacman.com You can use the coupon code Indicted again, all one word, no space. Uh, for a sizable discount, and we do an extra show every day for our members. So if you like this show, my sense is you'll like the bonus show. Alex Jones doesn't like it, Howard Stern likes it but won't pay for it. But it is what it is. Joinpacman.com is the place to sign up. All right, listen, I am not here to sing the praises of Mark Zuckerberg. But I have to tell you that I am delighted by what is going on with Meta's recently launched Twitter competitor called Threads. I joined Threads last night. You can um, you can see my profile there. I am David on Threads and I would love for you to follow me. What is this? What is this all about? Axios has a good article explaining it. Meta's Twitter competitor for, quote, friendly conversation launches early. Elon Musk's blunders with Twitter are gifting Mark Zuckerberg an opportune opening for a new rival app. Threads launched last night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they were going to debut it today, Thursday, but they ended up debuting it early. Um, it's available on Android and the Apple store. I don't know what it's called now, the iTunes store. I don't know anything about iPhones. I'm sorry, but it's on uh <laughs> It's available on Android and Apple phones, that's for sure. Um, A bunch of things that Elon Musk has done recently have particularly set up the environment for some kind of Twitter competitor. Uh, There was this rate limit where if you are not verified on Twitter, if you're not paying for Twitter, you can only see 600 tweets a day. It's pretty bonkers stuff. Then uh, Twitter announced that its tweet deck dashboard will become available only to paying subscribers. I mean, quite frankly. Elon Musk is making blunder after blunder. I know that much like with Jordan Peterson, there are people with Elon Musk that say, David, if you think he's making mistakes, it's because you don't understand the genius of what he's doing. I had people emailing me saying, David, uh, you know what Elon Musk is doing is actually genius. He's reducing bandwidth costs by limiting the number of tweets that you can see. And it's all 4D chess and it's just all completely and totally incredible. All right. I just don't seem to think that's the case. My activity on Twitter is down to almost zero. And so is that of so many of the people that I follow because it's just become a bad experience. So in comes threads. Threads is connected to Meta. You can log into threads with your Instagram account. Not only am I now on threads, the David Pakman show is on threads. We're looking at becoming early adopters when it comes to posting our video content there. We're not exactly yet sure sure whether this can be automated in some way from a technical standpoint. If anybody happens to know, please let us know. We're we're working on it and we'll soon be up to speed. Elon Musk's comment on all of this last night was, quote, it is infinitely preferable to be attacked by strangers on Twitter then indulge in the false happiness of hide the pain Instagram, of course, referring to the idea that Threads is seeking to be a sort of more positive environment, less about trolling and insults and this sort of thing. Now, what are my real thoughts about this? Because as as I'm sure, you know, if you know me, you know that I am not about picking the right billionaire who's a horse I'm going to attach my buggy to, or whatever the case may be. We relying on one possible sociopath to defeat another is not like a thrilling and super exciting strategy for the future of humanity. I am not naive to the undeniable reality that Meta's threads is just another attempt to monopolize the online discourse for profit and control of the narrative. Okay. I mean, like, Okay, so Twitter has been failing to do it recently. So now in comes Mark Zuckerberg and whatever the case may be. Are we all pining for another corporate controlled platform? Not really. Am I concerned that what happened on Facebook around recent elections, the spread of disinformation, covid disinformation, election disinformation it could just take over threads as well. Of course, I'm concerned about that. Of course, I'm concerned about that. And unfortunately, some of these decentralized sort of attempts to replace Twitter have flopped. Mastodon was one uh, which I mean, listen, I got on there within 10 seconds. I knew it was going nowhere. I'm sorry. I know people still email me and say, David, when are you getting on Mastodon? I'm on it. Nobody knows because there's 100 different servers. And if you're not on the same server, you have no idea. I'm on it. I I, listen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't think Mastodon is it blue sky, I thought, was very interesting. I was concerned that by limiting the number of new users that could sign up, blue sky was vulnerable to something like threads coming forward. I'm still on blue sky. Blue sky now has announced they are pausing new member signups. I mean, it's I, I still am holding out hope for blue sky, but it seems as though it's not going particularly well. So on the one hand, I am thrilled at the idea of a more functional, no rate limits, no, you know, all of this whacked out stuff that's happening on Twitter. I like that. I think that that's a good thing. There's a functional verification system still on threads because it's using the Instagram verification system. I think that these things are good. On the other hand, I can only imagine that Meta's real agenda here is to continue building this uh, uh, environment in which you've got Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram and threads and they're building the metaverse and on and on and on. And meta goes in the direction of dominating our digital lives and, and, and taking away autonomy and potentially hurting democracy. So I'm curious about threads. I'm on threads. We're going to start using it as a tool to promote our content. I'm skeptical. I don't know how meta is going to ensure that threads just doesn't end up with the exact same misinformation problems that uh, Facebook uh, and Instagram, quite frankly, had around elections and covid disinformation. So find me on threads at David The show is there at David Pakman show. It's actually small enough still where I'm seeing everybody who's responding to me. So like on Twitter, it's a lost cause. It's just totally out of control on threads. I'm actually seeing everybody. So follow me there and we'll see what we end up doing with it. Cocaine has been found at the White House. And of course, this is triggering everybody that you can imagine would be triggered. Let's first start with the facts and then we'll go on to the commentary. Politico reports suspicious powder found at the White House when Biden was gone was cocaine, was cocaine, according to Associated Press sources. Secret Service agents were doing routine rounds on Saturday, uh, Sunday, when they found the white powder in an area accessible to tour groups not in any particular West Wing office. The White House was briefly evacuated Sunday evening. Biden wasn't there. He was at Camp David. And uh, preliminary tests showed it was cocaine, according to law enforcement. Secret Secret Service agents were doing rounds. They found the powder in this area. Um, The officials are not authorized to discuss the investigation. There was an evacuation at eight forty five. Now, you might say, why would you evacuate for Coke before they knew it was Coke? They thought it could be anthrax or who knows what it might have been. Uh, they did a rapid test and it was indeed cocaine. It was uh, the White House reopened. And that is it. Now we're going to be going through some of the typical reactions from the right. And this includes it was Hunter Biden. Imagine if this happened under Trump, etc. cetera. I want to just put out there. I received a bunch of emails from people saying, David, you're not going to cover this. You're scared to cover this. It's the typical thing. If a story doesn't go with your narrative, you ignore it. What narrative have I ever stated that this would contradict? Have I been have I spent the last 10 years saying, folks, there are no drugs at the White House and now cocaine at the White House has destroyed my narrative? What, I don't know why you're thinking I would ignore this story. Uh, importantly, the area is accessible to tour groups. It's an area where people from the public walk through it makes it a much less interesting story. If this was found in, you know, the, the personal residence of Joe Biden, then it might be a more interesting story, although maybe it wouldn't be. I don't know. But the reaction from the right wing extremists has been extreme, but also sadly predictable. And we're going to talk about it in the next segment. For now, I do want to tell you about Donald Trump's reaction to the cocaine in the White House. Failed former President Donald Trump, twice impeached, twice indicted, went on a hysterical troth central rant over cocaine being found at the White House. As I already told you, cocaine at the White House was found in an area accessible to tour groups. It wasn't in Joe Biden's private bathroom. It wasn't in, you know, wherever these right wingers would love the cocaine to have been found. And Donald Trump went to troth central and posted, quote, Does anybody really believe that the cocaine found in the West Wing of the White House, very close to the Oval Office, is for the use of anyone other than Hunter and Joe Biden? But watch the fake news media will soon start saying that the amount found was very small and it wasn't really cocaine, but rather common ground up aspirin. And the story will vanish. Has deranged Jack Smith, the crazy Trump hating special prosecutor, been seen in the area of the cocaine? He looks like a crackhead to me. This is really, really crazy. I want to remind you, this is the former president of the United States alleging that cocaine found in the White House belongs to the President Joe Biden and Hunter and that the man prosecuting him, Jack Smith, is a crackhead, is a crackhead. Now I think it's important to mention that, that <laughs> doesn't really make sense. If Hunter Biden was doing coke at the White House, I don't know that he'd be doing it in an area accessible to the public. It just strikes me as something that he wouldn't do. But the right wing's continued obsession with Hunter Biden is bordering on creepy. And Donald Trump's obsession with Jack Smith is also bordering on possibly stochastically terroristic. I don't know how long it's going to take until someone goes after Jack Smith. And by the way, Trump posted what he believed to be Barack Obama's home address and an armed man actually showed up there. We're going to talk about that later, not right now. So Trump losing his mind over cocaine at the White House No evidence that it's Hunter Biden's. But later in the show, we are going to talk about some of the other wacky reactions to this bit of news. Really not a major story. Like I said earlier, I have no reason to cover up this story, but there's also not that much to say about it. But we will look at the Fox and Friends discussion about Coke at the White House after this break. Make sure that you were subscribed on YouTube. We are approaching two million subscribers I really want you to be one of those 2 million. One of our sponsors is Yada, the free banking app that makes it fun to save money. Just like a regular bank account, you can withdraw your money anytime and it's fully FDIC insured. When you keep your money in a Yada bank account, you'll have a shot at winning nightly cash prizes ranging from two cents to a million dollars. For every twenty five dollars in your account, you get one recurring ticket to the nightly prize drawing. So if you deposit one hundred dollars, you get four tickets every single night without needing to make any more deposits. Yada also offers some great budgeting features, the possibility of early paydays, a debit card that rewards you with up to one hundred percent cash back and tickets on every purchase. Yada members have already won over $15 million. So say goodbye to the traditional savings account with the minimal interest rate. Freakonomics have described prize linked savings accounts like a no lose lottery. Download the app now. Start saving for a chance to win big with Yada, the app where savings meets excitement. Go to slash pacman. That's with Y.O. slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. Are you tired of getting crushed in the market or the volatility? There is some good news, which is that treasury yields are surging. You can now get a whopping 5% yield on treasury bills. That is higher than any high yield savings account that I have seen. But buying U.S. treasuries can be a complicated process. At least it used to be. That's where our sponsor public.com comes in. With public, you can buy treasury bills in seconds right from your phone. Couldn't be easier. Plus, public will even automatically roll over your investments at maturity. So you have one less thing to think about take another thing off your plate. Treasury bills are government backed securities, considered one of the safest investments out there. And when you buy them through public, they are securely stored at the Bank of New York Mellon, which is the largest custodian bank in the world. No minimum hold periods, no settlement delays. You have full access to your funds whenever you need them. Put your cash to work, earn that 5% yield by going to public.com/packman. Don't miss the opportunity. The link is in the podcast notes. All right. A few other unhinged reactions to cocaine found at the White House, of course, in an area accessible to tour groups, people from the public who come through. Here is Republican Congressman Daryl Issa appearing on Fox News, and he is directly bringing up the Hunter Biden thing. He straight up says, listen, uh, Hunter Biden, that's someone with a history of drug addiction. They find uh, cocaine there. I don't know. I don't know. Here he is. By the way, there's no evidence that this has anything to do with Hunter Biden. It's actually quite stupid to think it does. Let's listen.
1: Huge difference uh, when, in fact, all the president and then before that, vice president had to do was make it appear as though he was behind his son. He has done that before Mm -hmm. he did it yesterday. He continues to have somebody with a history of drug addiction Mm -hmm. uh, in the White House. and uh, it, it is not a small problem that we find cocaine after Hunter Biden's been in the White House and people roll their eyes and say, you know, we never had this before. How? What's changed?
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, Interestingly, we didn't have it under Obama. We didn't have it under George W. Bush that that we knew about. But Daryl Issa is being so irresponsible here now. Obviously, this is another one of these completely ridiculous narratives that accomplishes nothing as Republicans continue to offer absolutely nothing by way of policy to the American people, that shouldn't be ignored. Specifics aside, just the fact that this is what they're talking about. I, I just to do it justice, I'm not finding any information that Hunter Biden is, is using cocaine at this point in time. Uh, the cocaine was found where visitors leave their belongings. So there's really no particular reason to say Hunter Biden has anything to do with this whatsoever. And at some point, you would think, let me apply a little bit of, of logic here. If Biden's son were using cocaine and if he were using it at the White House, these are all claims for which we have no evidence. If all of those things were true, why would he be doing it in the area where visitors leave their belongings? In fact, he would almost certainly not be there. The fact that this is where it was found is essentially a guarantee. This has nothing to do with Hunter Biden. But, you know, they, they don't they didn't do their health care plan. They didn't build the wall. They didn't solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. They didn't do any of those things. So what they've got is Biden's son is in the White House and he's snorting lines of coke while he is there. Now, let's go to the next element of this Fox and Friends host Brian Kilmeade went further with the cocaine in the White House story he went to. Was there fentanyl in the cocaine? And hilariously, Steve Ducey, who occasionally will actually behave like a normal person and apply critical thinking to what is said by his co-hosts, he just is kind of like. What the F are you talking about fentanyl, what what? Check out this hilarious exchange where Brian Kilmeade introduces fentanyl with no evidence and then Steve Ducey is like, wait, what? What are you talking about? We don't know if there's fentanyl in that cocaine, too. That's the problem. Uh, hmm. You saw that uh, Robert De
2: Niro's grandson just died. Uh, fentanyl was in whatever substance he wait, bought at the White House,
0: <laughs> fentanyl at the White House. No, so he was same
3: with Unknown powder but, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and kill me. I actually think kill is starting to get get annoyed. So you can tell from the body language here. Kilmeade is annoying, annoyed, he is annoying. but. Kilmeade is annoyed that yet again, Steve Ducey is interrupting his rants. Steve Ducey clearly is getting a little bit irritated that his co-host Brian Kilmeade is constantly saying insane things. I'm going to go back. We're only 10 seconds in. Let's play it from the beginning. And again, Kilmeade visibly annoyed that Ducey is like, what are you talking about, dude?
2: We don't know if there's fentanyl in that cocaine too. That's the problem. Uh, Mm -hmm. You saw that uh, Robert De Niro's grandson just died. Uh, Fentanyl was in whatever substance he bought
3: at the White House fentanyl at the White House.
2: No, so I'm he saying was saying that, it, with
3: an unknown powder that they you know, don't that know
2: what's in it. They, they don't know what's in it. He thought he was buying one drug. Fentanyl was in it. Do we know that fentanyl's in this cocaine?
3: I, it's scary. I, I, yes. it, I, I mean, to the point be of Weijia Jiang. We at CBS said this could have been a non-magnetic powder that could have made it through anthrax. This is a huge national security threat in the press. Well, so they're just slapping it off. But what would you expect? I
0: I hate to tell people like I really do, but you know it non-magnetic powder. Yeah, it's okay. It's a threat. W- you do. They do tours at the White House. I mean, are are we really what's the expectation? Right. When Kaylee McEnany says this is a big national security threat and it starts to be uh a, sort of an attack on security measures at the White House. If you have a few grains of one of these non magnetic magnetic powders in the bottom of a pocket, um, no one's going to find that. No one. You can get wanded with a metal detector, And you can get a pat down and you can answer a questionnaire. I mean, a few grains of this stuff is going to be very difficult to find. It's not unique to Joe Biden. It's not a particular failure of security under the Biden administration or any of these things. But the look on Steve Ducey's face is really something else there. Um, Okay, I think we've said everything we have to say about Biden and uh, cocaine at the White House. I, I just I don't know that there's anything else to say about it. There was cocaine found. There's nothing linking it to anybody in the Biden administration. Right wingers are going crazy, saying it's Hunter Biden's or it's some bigger issue. We've talked about it. We're going to take a break. We're going to move on and get on to other things. One of our sponsors today is Replace Your Mortgage. Mortgages are a really interesting thing in the United States. The poor often can't afford them and the rich often don't use them. Instead, the wealthy use special financial tools to pay off their debts, often in a fraction of the time that it takes for a middle class American to realize that same payoff. Replace your mortgage teaches you how you can pay off your home in five to seven years without needing to make more money than you're currently making right now. And in addition, they can teach you how to better utilize your existing assets and equity to begin or continue growing wealth and passive income through additional strategies. And they actually have an upcoming workshop that will show you how you can take advantage of these strategies, how it all works, create your own economy in a sense. You can go to replaceyouruniversity.com/pacman to watch the interview I did with their founder Michael Lush. To learn how you can get exclusive access to what can be a life changing virtual event, that's replaceyouruniversitycom Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. Well, the first 24 hours of the children's book have been insane. It is the number one bestseller in its category on Amazon. This is crazy. I don't even understand what's happening, but I'll try to explain it to you. Uh, I wrote a kids' book, okay? Here is the book. Think like a detective. It's just a fun book to start introducing critical thinking concepts to kids. What is evidence? How do we know that something's true? This sort of thing. Um, There's jokes in it that are more for adults as well. You will see that there is a boy named Ronald. There's a boy named Ronald on one page who looks a lot like a particularly uh, uh, terrible former president. And Ronald lied about the number of kids at his birthday party. You get the joke, okay? You get it. We started making this available yesterday on Amazon, paperback and then Kindle pre orders. All the Kindle ones will come out on Saturday. It's just the way it works. I had absolutely no idea the way that this was going to go. And from the number of complaints I received about the book, you would think that it would go terribly. For example, Someone wrote to me and said, David, this is too advanced for young kids. It's really more for high school students. I don't think so. It really is a kid's book. Yes. If you're six or seven, you're going to need to have your uh, you know, adult or guardian or someone read the book to you. I get that and explain it. But this is not a book for high schoolers. No, this is this is a book for kids. But someone said, David, this is too advanced. Someone wrote to me and said, David. The picture of the kid detective on the front, the kid should be a minority. It looks like the kid is white, so I'm not gonna buy the book. Oh boy. David, the book should not be sold by Amazon. It should be sold by someone else. I get the Amazon stuff. Okay. The the reality is that we're not looking to buy a thousand of these and then ship them out ourselves. Amazon's print on demand is really convenient. Our main thing is this show. We needed convenience. Okay, but I'm I'm with you. Someone else said, David. This book is not accessible globally because it is only in English. That's true. We only wrote the book in English. I'm sorry. Someone else wrote in and said, David, the book should not have been done with AI illustrations, even if we did use AI illustrations as a base and then edit them ourselves. That was wrong. Someone else wrote to me and said, David, you shouldn't have the Kindle available for pre order. It should be available now, like the paperback. It wasn't our choice. The, the Amazon system requires some lead time before the Kindle orders are filled. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we have persevered. And this is insane. The book is the number one bestseller in Amazon's children's reference and nonfiction section. It is absolutely stunning to me. We have fulfilled. I don't know how many paperbacks have been ordered. I only know how many have been shipped. A hundred and eight paperbacks have already been shipped, and many more have been ordered. Two hundred and thirty-two people have pre-ordered the digital Kindle version. We have received orders from the UK, Germany, Italy, Australia, Canada. Um, it's it's just incredible. It's incredible. That all being said. I do want to go through and just show you some amazing uh, messages and reviews that we got. Braden wrote in with a really good idea and said potential children's book ban. David, huge fan of the new children's book. I think it's a great idea. Plan on buying it. However, how long do you think it will take for Florida to ban it for woke indoctrination? I'd love to hear your thoughts. My friends, I hope someone tries to ban this book. People have been writing to me saying they're going to gift the book to a bunch of libraries. I hope a library rejects it. I hope someone I have teachers writing to me saying, David, I'm going to use this book in class. I'm going to read this book to my students. The book is not political. Yes, it makes fun of Trump. Okay, but it's not a political book. Little kids wouldn't even realize that it's like an adult joke. I would love it. If parents go crazy because their teacher read this book to students in class. I would love it if a school library and who the hell knows, Tennessee tries to ban the book. I hope they try to ban the book. Let's try to make it happen. I think it would be a great story. Okay, now some really great reviews already on Amazon. And please remember if you order the book, please review it. It's so important. It's the number one thing that determines how it will do. Um, Okay, here's one review excellent secular homeschooling resource. I homeschool my learning disabled son and I'm excited for this book. All students should learn how to think. I can't wait for the author to publish books about this subject for teens and adults. Beautiful review. Next review will bring tears to your eyes. I see what you did there. Wonderful book for our future leaders. Save the country. Have your children learn about critical thinking at ASAP. Sir, I write this as a big, strong man. I have tears in my eyes with the thought of giving this book to my children. Beautiful, beautiful message, folks. Uh, I don't know how far this is going to go. It really started kind of as a goof, but it's now the best seller in its category on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it on paperback, buy copies, distribute them to libraries, give them to your kid's teachers. say, here's something to read. David slash book. Let's keep going as we push this into more countries and uh, please review the book. Let me know what you think, et cetera. All right. I said we were moving on from the uh, Hunter Biden cocaine story, which has nothing to do with Hunter Biden. Like they're calling it the Hunter Biden cocaine story, even though there is no connection to Hunter Biden. I told you earlier cocaine found at the White House in an area where public tours go through and multiple. Fox News hosts suggesting it might have something to do with Hunter Biden, despite the fact that there is no such evidence. Here is another segment from this morning. That's why I'm only getting to it now. Julie Banderas interviewing former Congressman Jason Chaffetz. And she does the listen, we're not saying it was Hunter's cocaine. But we're asking questions that nobody else is even willing to ask.
2: I I think they already know where it is. I think they're trying to wait for the DNA uh, evidence that doesn't happen in just a half a day or a day. But the Secret Service, I do believe, knows at this point who this person is.
3: I mean, if you look at the way that they're handling it right off the bat, they're making it seem suspicious. We're not point. I mean, we're just asking questions, the reporters that are there in the press pool. Right. But then
0: if you it's like when Tucker asked questions. Do brown people make the country dirtier and poorer? We're just asking the question. Look at all the other networks, for
3: example, all the major broadcast networks last night. They all led with the cocaine found at the White House. Not one. One broadcast mentioned the name Hunter Biden. Now, we're not saying it's Hunter Biden's. We're calling it for (laughs) what it is. The president's son is a former crack cocaine addict, and he's supposed to be clean. He just was given a slap on the wrist for charges that should have been felony charges. Why? Because he's the president's son. So preferential treatment obviously is a very sensitive topic when it comes to his son. And indeed, cocaine was found in an area in the White House where Hunter Biden has visited. So, of course, that's going to be a question. And there's no room for joking about it. All the other networks making these stupid jokes about there's no laughing matter. Mm. Crack cocaine addiction is serious, and this is a serious drug that was found in our White House.
2: Yes. And I I heard one of those reporters talking about, well, nobody got hurt. What about the development transport and all of the other? I mean, that is just a ridiculous he doesn't
0: even know what he's talking about. So listen. I got an email from a lawyer this morning who said, you know, David, it is not yet at this point, but it is starting to border on. It's not inconceivable that Hunter Biden may be able to argue that some of these statements are defamatory. Now, Julie Banderas is being sort of careful in that she's saying we're not saying it's Hunter Biden's cocaine, which, of course, is code for. We sort of are saying it. We're certainly implying it, if nothing else. But okay, putting that aside, a lawyer wrote to me and said if this went another step further, Hunter Biden may be able to uh, uh, sue Fox News for defamation. I don't expect it to happen, but it is compelling stuff. The latest news, by the way, is that there is going to be uh, that apparently they have tapes. There are cameras that are going to be able to figure this out. And there's a report uh, from Reuters cameras, visitor logs searched after cocaine found at White House and that now it may uh, we may know exactly who brought the cocaine. I am not a betting man. You all know that I, I really I really just don't bet. I just save and invest my money. I don't bet. But if I were a betting man, okay, my bet is that the cocaine is not Hunter Biden's. If the cocaine is Hunter Biden's write to me. Tell me what I should do. I'll do something if the cocaine is Hunter Biden's. I'll, I'll I don't know, donate to some drug thing or I, I don't know. But if I were a betting man, I would say this is not Hunter Biden's cocaine. Mike Pence is running for president. You may not have known that because his campaign is extraordinarily low energy, although I will tell you he is actually ticking up a little bit in Republican polling. We'll get to that in a moment. A visibly disturbed woman confronted Mike Pence at a rally. Sorry, this is not a rally at a I don't know what to call this at an event where he spoke to a small crowd. A crazy woman stood up and said it is his fault that Biden is president because Biden is only president because Mike Pence didn't, quote, send the election back to the states. What do they mean by that? I don't actually think they know. I'll explain that in a moment. But here is this woman saying it is your fault that Biden is here because you didn't do it. You didn't reject the election results. Let, let's take a listen.
3: If it wasn't for your vote, we would not have Joe Biden in the White House. Right. Joe Biden shouldn't be there. And all those wonderful things that you and Trump were doing together would be continuing and this country would be on the right path. Do you ever second-guess yourself, that was a constitutional right that you had to send those <laughs> votes back to the states. Did he? It was not like you were going to personally elect him. We all know by the number of votes that were there, who won that election. Do
0: we?
2: Constitution is very clear. My job was to oversee the session of Congress where objections could be heard, and I made sure that objections would be recognized. So, we would hear whatever evidence or the debate there was. But the Constitution says you open and count the votes, no more, no less. The Constitution affords no authority for the Vice President or anyone else to reject votes or return votes to the states.
0: Mike Pence is correct here on this issue. It doesn't mean I agree with him on abortion or taxes, but he is correct on this issue.
2: Never been done before, should never be done in the future sorry, ma'am, but that's actually what the Constitution says. No vice president of American history ever asserted the authority that you have been convinced that I had. And I want to tell you, with all due respect, I said before, I said when I announced President Trump was wrong about my authority that he's still wrong.
0: Mike Pence is completely correct. He's correct. Think about it for a second. Like, we'll we'll get into the law in a moment. The law is clear, but you don't even need to look at the law. Just apply common sense, apply common sense directly to your forehead and think about it. What does it mean to send it back to the states? The states send their results. Arizona sends their results and they say Biden got more votes. So Arizona's electoral votes go to Joe Biden. Great. Penn stands up and says, no, I don't accept these. I am sending these results back to the states and the state goes, OK, uh, Joe Biden, won. we're sending it back to you again. Only if you think that upon sending it back to the states, someone will intervene and send fake electors, which they wanted to do. Could you get it into your brain that sending it back to the states is a real thing? Now, if you look at the Constitution, Mike Pence is completely correct. The Constitution, the law give the vice president the role of opening and counting electoral votes that have been certified by each state. The president, uh, the vice president, rather functioning as the president of the Senate in that situation, has no authority to change or reject the electoral votes that have been sent there by the states. If Mike Pence had tried to do that, it would have violated the Democratic principles and the norms and the law of American government. Trump got this idea from that infamous legal memo from John Eastman, the deranged lawyer, law professor who was advising Trump, what might you be able to do? And the Eastman memo had a number of ideas. This was one of them. And as far as this idea is concerned, the memo argued Pence can use an obscure law called the Electoral Count Act of 1887. To reject some of the electoral votes and create a situation where no candidate has a majority. In other words, if Pence rejects enough Biden states that neither candidate gets to 270, then it would throw the election to the House of Representatives. That interpretation was widely rejected by every serious legal expert, historian and lawmaker from both the Republican and Democratic parties as unconstitutional, baseless and a completely wrongheaded interpretation of the 1887 Electoral Count Act. So the woman's wrong. It's interesting that she's even at a Pence event. I don't know if she considers herself a supporter of Pence. You'd think not if she thinks that this is what Pence should have done. Presumably she supports Trump and not Mike Pence on this issue. And Mike Pence, I think, is a disgusting guy in just about every way. On this issue, Mike Pence is uh, 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 uncontroversial, non-controversially and incontrovertibly um, stating what the law is, and that is it. And for that, I guess he deserves praise. The bar is that low with this Republican Party that we can praise him for that. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. You can call any time of day. Here is a caller who is calling me out. How do I care about the environment? And yet I flew on an airplane. Okay, let's take a listen.
1: Bagel. Did I hear how many flights you've been doing? 500 gallons per hour. Please put your carbon footprint usage next to your super cool. I voted blue checkmark. Mm, Yeah, a checkmark
0: I've never displayed.
1: And when you see Pete the incompetent, LMR our holes need some serious filling. A little bit of that hot asphalt, breastfeeding, road reparations. Should sure we'll go a long way to drive my pretty little Tesla on? Tesla? You do okay work, but you, you got to work some things out on your, on, on your gene, genealogical trees. You got some coughing up to do.
0: I think that that is anti-Semitic. I've got to figure some things out, work some things out on my genealogical tree. I can only imagine that's an anti-Semitic comment.
1: Anyways, other than that, you're somewhat acceptable. Oh, Bye. Let's see how much fuel you burnt last year, you silly willy. OK,
0: listen, so I've heard this before. OK, you care about the environment and yet you still utilize transportation and purchase food to metabolize into energy to sustain Homo sapiens. (laughs) I mean, listen, um, caring about the environment doesn't mean you give up every form of transportation or any activity that has a carbon footprint. Okay, and I don't know that anybody holds themselves or others to that standard. Caring about the environment means you advocate for more sustainable and efficient alternatives, renewable energy sources, carbon offsets, public transit, et cetera. And you've got these right wingers who love to criticize leftists Oh, you flew in an airplane. It's a logical fallacy. You you flew in an airplane. It's an appeal to hypocrisy what they are actually doing. And uh, this is when you try to discredit an argument by pointing out its inconsistency, that the person making the argument is inconsistent. You are are uh, inconsistent because you say you care about the environment, yet you drove a car or you traveled on an airplane they don't actually address the argument itself. It doesn't actually invalidate the argument that we are making. The argument they seem to be making implicitly is people on the left shouldn't have cars of any kind. They should never travel by airplane. Cell phones have conflict minerals. I guess no cell phones, plus the cell phone gets shipped. So that's it gets shipped on an airplane, you know, so that that, that's a carbon footprint you, I guess, according to these people, have to live like an ascetic to really be a consistent liberal or something like that. The reality, of course, is people on the left drive cars and have cell phones. They're not hypocrites by their very nature simply because they care about the environment. We are using the available technology and infrastructure that society provides. Should I be biking to my brother's wedding in California? Should I not be going because I'm on the left and I care about the environment or whatever the case may be. And by the way, I'm aware of the negative impacts of those products, and I support efforts to reduce that electric vehicles is a step recycling is a step. Ethical sourcing is another. I know people will write to me and they'll say, David, some forms of recycling actually have a larger carbon footprint, depending on how it's done. I'm aware of that recycling when it reduces the carbon footprint liberals who drive cars or have cell phones aren't responsible for the economic uh, uh, environmental rather damage that corporations cause by virtue of their products and services. We want to hold the corporations accountable for their actions. We want to pressure them to adopt more environmentally friendly practices and policies and all of it. So when I have a phone or I fly on on an airplane, I'm not ignoring the environmental problems. Uh, I am actively involved in raising awareness about those problems, donating, campaigning for more sustainable options and solutions. And in fact, we often use those tools to raise awareness. I use my phone to get the word out about these things that I believe I sometimes drive or fly to events at which I advocate for these things. So this appeal to hypocrisy fallacy from these people. Who have absolutely nothing to offer on their own of any substance or productivity, uh, they barely de- de- deserve attention. So, okay, I addressed it here. Now we can go back to ignoring them. We have such a great bonus show for you today. A David Pac Man membership costs six bucks a month. It does, but if you use a coupon code, it's cheaper. We are going to talk about the hottest day in history, which took place this week on today's bonus show. And by the way, the record's gonna be broken again. We are going to talk about Central Park Five member Yousef Salam willi- winning the New York City Council's Democratic primary. And we are also going to talk about radical and repugnant Republican Congressman Matt Gates proposing to end cannabis testing for the military, something I actually agree with. Why is he doing it? Well, maybe he just believes it's the right thing. All of those stories and more Will be on today's bonus show.
3: Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. But everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad.
0: You can access the bonus show with a number of different machines.
1: We're doing a class action lawsuit against all machines.
0: Right. In all seriousness, it doesn't have to end right now. There is more show available today. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. Sign up at joinpacman.com. You'll get instant access. And I will be joined by producer Pat. See you then, or we'll be back here tomorrow.